Well, I want to welcome you here in the house of the Lord today, those of you that are here with us and those uh, joining us online. We want to just say how good it is to have you with us today. We thank you for making the choice to, to be with us, and we think your day is going to be blessed because of it. Amen. I uh, invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 34. Those of you joining online will also try to keep those scriptures coming up to you on the Facebook chat. And um, what I want to do is I want to uh, continue our study of angels today. And uh, last week I talked to you about common angels, which was kind of ironic because it's kind of an oxymoron. Angels are anything but common. But when compared to some of the other angels in Scripture, I've just kind of put the description of common as your everyday hosts, powerful, strong guardian angels. And today I want to open up with a new uh, type of angel called special angels. And the very first one that I want to discuss with you today is the angel of the Lord. Everybody say the angel of the Lord. Now, as we go into this, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a heads up. The angel of the Lord, when you see this in Scripture, you will find it in the Old Testament. And every time you find the angel of the Lord, you will find this is some special angel because this angel is not like any other. You don't find this angel in the New Testament because this angel in the Old Testament is literally the personification of the second person of the Godhead whom we know is Jesus Christ. Every time you see the angel of the Lord... It is the Lord himself in the person of Jesus. So I'm going to just give you a heads up on that. And there are several, several passages of Scripture. I am going to try to get through all of this. If I don't, that's okay. Uh, we'll have another Sunday next week. The Lord, uh, Lord doesn't come back between now and then. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Psalm chapter 34 and verse 7 finds us with King David when he's on the run from King Saul. He's not yet king, but he will become king. And he actually feigns madness to a foreign king. He scribbles on the walls. He lets saliva drip out of his mouth so he can act like a madman. And he's really afraid for his life. And it's out of that that we get Psalm 34. Now, I'm just going to read one verse in this, but contained in this whole passage is quite, quite the most powerful portion of Scripture I think David ever wrote. The Bible says this, and many of you will be aware of this, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Do you all know what that says to me? That the angel of the Lord likes camping. Okay, so if you ever wonder, does God love to camp? Right there. He encamps around those who fear him. Now, I don't know if he's a tent camper or exactly what kind of camper he is, but I want to tell you this. If you fear him, he will encamp around you. And I want to tell you this. You want his camp around you. How many of you remember Jacob? I talked to you last week about Jacob, and he is fleeing. He's fleeing uh, Laban. He's on his way to meet his brother Esau, who he didn't leave in too good of circumstances. 
He stole the birthright. He stole the blessing. He is blessed beyond measure, but he knows he's going to meet his brother again. And the Bible says that the angel, the angels, a man, they met. And there was a host of angels with his camp. And he called that place in Hebrew, Mahanaim, which means two camps. I want to tell you something. If you camp, you want God camping with you. If you walk this life, you want the angel of the Lord with you. And I believe that once you see the power that the angel of the Lord brings every single person he touches, you want him. In fact, I'm going to show you something. I want you to be aware of this as we go through this. How many of you have ever heard a message on the names of God? Can I tell you that nearly every single one of those names is an occasion when the angel of the Lord shows up? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Elroy, wonderful. The names of God is who he says he is as the angel of the Lord. So we know this is a special angel. Are you with me? All right, let's, without further ado, let's get into this. In your outline today, you will see, uh, in fact, if you're writing anything down, go ahead under special angels, the angel of the Lord under that title, write Psalm 34, 7, because that's our main subscripture that I want you to really uh, understand that the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he brings you, he, he rescues you, okay? Now, in Genesis chapter 16, there, is, there are two appearances to a woman by the name of Hagar. That's your first fill in the blank. The first appearance to Hagar, H-A-G-A-R, Hagar, was the lady that was the handmaid to Sarah, who Sarah said, hey, God's not giving me a baby, so go into my handmaid Hagar, and maybe it's going to be through her that God's going to bless you. How many of you know that wasn't God's will? And today we still have an Israeli-Arab conflict because of Hagar and Abraham doing what they did, and we had the Arab nation, okay, Ishmael. How many of you have ever done an Ishmael? You did it your way. You wanted to do it your way, and how many of you know your way doesn't work? And I just want to say this today, that even in the midst of us doing it our way, God's way will still prevail, Now watch this, even in the midst of man's mistake, I want you to know that God is still concerned. Look at this in Genesis 16, in verse 7. Now I've got down there for you 7 through 9, extend that, just mark the 9 out and put 13, because we're going to go through verse 13. So here we are, Genesis chapter 16, beginning with verse 7. It says, now the angel of the Lord, everybody say, that's Jesus. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur, and he said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Now how many of you know God asked that, not for his sake, but for your sake? When he asked Adam, Adam, where are you? God knew where Adam was. God just wanted Adam to know where he was. And that's where we are today. God wants you to know where you are today. How many know the only way to get on the right road is to get off the wrong road? Watch this. And she said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarai. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress 
and submit yourself to her authority. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they shall be too many to count. And the angel of the Lord said to her further, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Ishmael means God hears, or God has heard. Now watch this. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. Now, he will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live to the east of all his brothers. And watch this. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, Thou art a God who sees. For she said, Have I even remained alive here after seeing capital H I am? Church, that's not just any angel. That was Jesus. And she called him, you're a God who sees. She called the angel God. That's the name Elroy. Elroy. Everybody say Elroy. Now, in verse chapter 21, keep going, and you'll find verses 17 through 18 there in your outline, a second appearance to Hagar. That's your fill in the blank. Watch this. Verse 17. And God heard the lad crying, that was Ishmael, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him by the hand, for I will make a great nation of him. So he first appears to Hagar as Elroy, the God who hears, and now he is there to also provide. He's going to keep him. He's going to protect him. And uh, so God shows himself strong in the midst of her situation. Can you say amen to that? So what happened is, is that second event was after now Isaac has, he, he's, he's, part of the, he's part of the deal. The will of God is now coming into fruition, and the will of man is taking a back seat. But here's what I want you to hear in the midst of this. Even in the midst of humanity's mistake, God is moving, and the angel of God shows up. So I want to say to everybody who thinks, man, I've just messed up so much, too much, too many times, there can be nothing further from the truth. That does not dissuade the angel of the Lord whatsoever. Go to the book of Genesis chapter 22 and you will find, um, I'm sorry, yeah, Genesis chapter 22 and you will find in verse 10 through verse 12, the offering of Isaac. Now watch this, Abraham Verse 10 says, stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son, but, everybody say it, the angel of the Lord 
called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, how can an angel, if it's not God, say what this angel just said? In fact, if this was another angel, then that angel just contradicted what God told Abraham to do because God told him to sacrifice his son. Now, how many of you know God never did intend that he was ever going to kill him? But I want you to understand today, Abraham had such faith in God that even if he had gone through with it, God would have raised him from the dead. And we know that because when he told his servants, when he had the wood and he had his son with him and they were going up to the mountain, he said, we will return. Uh, Me and my son are going up to the mountain, but we will return. So in other words, if God was going to have him kill Isaac, God would still have raised him from the dead and he would have come back with him. Can you say amen to that? I'm telling you what, God is an awesome God. Now watch this. Verse 14, I don't think I have that down for you here, but the Bible says Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. Everybody say Jehovah-Jireh. Turn over to Genesis chapter 31, verses 11 through 13. What I'm going to do is just continue to give you these scriptures and just speak very, very quickly on them because there is a there is a... Uh, there's a fine line of truth going through every single one of them. Look at verse 11, Genesis 31. Are you still with me? The angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel. In other words, I am the God of the house of God where you anointed a pillar, where you made a vow to me, now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. There we find God known as Bethel, or house of God. Slip over to the book of Genesis, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3. The Bible says this in verses 1 through 6. Now Moses was pasturing the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Here it is. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said also, listen to this, the angel of God says this, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. You can read it again in Acts chapter 7, verses 30 through 38. Now, I'm not going to take you there, but how many of you remember when Moses said, Lord, who should I say has sent me? How many of you remember what, what the angel of the Lord said? Who was sending him? You just tell them, I am. Now, this is the angel of the Lord, yet we know I am is God. 
So here we have I am. Look at Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 and uh, 22. The Bible says this, And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. Who was going before them in that way? The Lord. Watch verse, watch verse 22. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now look at uh, chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. And the angel of the Lord, or the angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So in other words, the angel of God first moves, and then the pillar moves. Do you see it? So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. So we have here the angel of the Lord is the one leading them in a pillar of fire by night and in a pillar of cloud by day. Are you with me? Look at Numbers chapter 22. The Bible says this in verses 22 through 35. But God was angry because Balaam was going... And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary. Now listen to me, church. In almost all the other occasions, God shows up as the angel of the Lord in a good way. But I want to tell you this, that if you are following God, even as this, he was known as a man of God, Balaam was doing his own thing. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary. Can I just say that you don't want God to be your adversary? Now watch this. And he was going to be an adversary against him, and he was riding, Balaam was, on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, the donkey turned off from the way and went in the field, but Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back into the way. And then the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path of the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pressed herself to the wall, pressed Balaam's foot against the wall, so he struck her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she just laid down under Balaam. So Balaam was angry and struck the donkey with his stick. And the Lord opens the mouth of the donkey, and she says to Balaam, what have, you, what have I done to you that you've struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a mockery of me, if there had been a sword in my hand, I would have killed you by now. Boy, what a man of God. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey on which you've ridden all your life to this day? Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. Can you imagine going home and your dog starts talking to you? I'm tired of the food you've been giving me. Give me something else. He said, the donkey said, I'm not your donkey on which you've ridden all your life. Have I ever been accustomed to do so to you? And he said, no. And the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed all the way to the ground. And the angel of the Lord said to him, watch this, listen, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out as an adversary. Whew. Because your way was contrary to me, but the donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. And if she had not turned aside from me, listen to this, church, I would surely have killed you. Just now, 
and let the donkey live. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I didn't know you were standing in the way against me. Now then, if it's displeasing to you, I'll turn back. But the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but you shall speak only the word which I shall tell you. So Balaam went along with the leaders of Balak. Do you know what God shows up as there? Adversary. Did you know God had a name called adversary? If you oppose him. Keep going. The Bible says this in Judges chapter 2. Actually, uh, let's, let, I don't have this for you, but go to Joshua. Go to Joshua because that's another, that's another passage that I want you to see. Joshua chapter 5. The Bible doesn't necessarily call him the angel of the Lord in this passage. It says a man. But look at verse 13, Joshua 5, 13. And sorry to create a little confusion there, but uh, even if we don't have it up here on Scripture, just listen to it. It says this, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And that man said, No, I rather indeed come now as the captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandal from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so, just like the angel of the Lord did to Moses. And he shows up with a flaming sword, a shiny sword. In Judges chapter 2, if you go there, the Bible says this in verses 1 through 5. Are you still with me? Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim. Everybody say weeping. How many of you have ever had a life event and all you found yourself doing was weeping, Bokim. And he said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And as for you, you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed me. What is this that you've done? Therefore, I also said, I will not drive them out before you, but they'll become as thorns in your sides and their gods will be a snare to you. And it came about when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the sons of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So they named that place Bochim. Weepers. And there they sacrifice to the Lord. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. Slip over to the book. Same book of Judges, chapter 6. Are you getting anything out of this? Look at verse 11. The Bible says, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to save it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. And Gideon said to him, O Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord looked at him, same guy. Angel of the Lord, but the Bible yet says the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sinned you? How, can you guys see the angel of the Lord is God? 
And he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I'm the youngest in my father's house. In other words, I'm the least of the least of the least. He didn't have very good uh, healthy self-opinion, did he? But the Lord said to him, Surely I'll be with you, and you'll defeat Midian as one man. And Gideon said to him, If now I find favor in thy sight, show me a sign. That is, it is you who speaks to me. Please don't depart from me here until I come back to you and bring out my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I'll remain until you return. And Gideon went in and prepared a kid, a little baby goat, an unleavened bread, and an ephah of flour. He put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out under the yoke and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Here's a special angel at work. Watch this. And the angel of the Lord put out the end of the staff that was in his hand, touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire sprang up from the rock, consumed the meat and the unleavened bread, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. And when Gideon saw that he was the angel of the Lord, he said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. And Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it that day Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. And to this day it is still an Ophrah of the Abiezrites. In Judges chapter 13, are you still with me? We're doing good on time. I think I'm going to make it through this one. Are you catching all the nuances? The Philistines are again oppressing. The Bible says in verse 1 of Judges 13, Now the sons of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave him into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had borne no children. Cue the angel of the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold now, you're barren, you have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Isn't it interesting? God knows exactly where you're at and will tell you exactly where you're at if you'll listen to him. This is where you are, but this is where you're going. Right now you're barren. You can bear no children, but you know what? You're going to conceive and you're going to give birth. It's going to be a boy. You don't even need a sonogram. I'm going to just tell you right, right there from the beginning. Are you with me? Now, therefore, be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, nor any eat, rather, any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive, give birth to a son, and no razor will come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And the woman came, told her husband, and said, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you'll conceive, give birth to a son, and now you shall not drink wine or drink uh, strong drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. And Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, please let the man of God, whom thou hast sent, come to us again, that he may teach us what to do for the boy who is to be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly, told her husband, Behold, the man who came the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. I love it. And Manoah said, Now, when your words come to pass, what shall the boy's mode of life and his vocation be? 
And so the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, let the woman pay attention to all that I said. Everybody listen like you got four ears on your head. Something was coming down the pike that needed to be obeyed. Let her pay attention to all that I said. She should not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Let her observe all that I command. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you so that we may prepare a kid for you. And just so you don't misinterpret Scripture, that's not a little child. That is a baby goat. Are you with me? All right. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. That right there shows he's God. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord, I love this, said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? How many remember Isaiah prophesied that the name of the Savior was going to be Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father? So Manoah took the kid with the grain offering, offered it on the rock to the Lord. To the Lord. I mean, if you don't even need further proof, it's right there. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. He, capital H. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar toward heaven that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their face to the ground. Now the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah or his wife, and Manoah knew he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had desired to kill us, he had not accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear things like this in this time. And the woman gave birth to a son, and she named him Samson. And the child grew up. And the Lord blessed him. And church, I want to tell you something. So many stories have been told about Samson. I have seen so many pictures. Nobody, I don't think, I don't think any artist has gotten it right. And here's the reason why I say it. Is because if Samson was such a buff looking dude, don't you think the Philistines would have known that he was just strong? Because I mean, they would have thought, man, there's where his strength lies. But yet the Philistines, when Delilah, at the end of Samson's life, gets to the point where they, they're asking, find out where his strength lies. I think the picture, I, I ought to pose as Samson. I think he looks like more like David Drew than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Because how much would the power of God coming on a little dude like me be able to impress the enemy? Man, you don't want to mess with him. Oh, he's nothing. <laughs> Go for it. Deal with Samson. He'll take a donkey's jawbone and kill one, one, one thousand of you. It'll be a hundred, there'll be a thousand grand right there. Bam. I mean, Samson was such under the anointing of God, he took the gates of a city and carried him up to a mountain, and you think, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. No, listen, it took 120 men to just put one of those gates up. And under the power and the anointing of the Lord God Almighty, Samson took them both up and went up to the mountain. Well, well, well. Let's go to Zechariah. Are you still with me? 
chapter 1, verse 7. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, as follows. I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse, and he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine with red sorrel and white horses behind him. And I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. We're talking about angels. Watch these guys. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. Then this angel gets identified. So they answered, The angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees, And said, we've patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. And the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long wilt thou have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah with which thou hast been indignant these 70 years? The angel of the Lord is praying to God Almighty. How many of you ever read where Jesus prayed to the Father? He did it daily. He did it in the morning before breakfast. He did it after feeding the 5,000. He did it even late at night. He did it in the Garden of Gethsemane when all his friends are asleep. He had communion with his Father. Now watch this. And the Lord, verse 13 said, answered the angel who was speaking with me with gracious words, comforting words. Can you say God's a God of graciousness and God a God of comfort? So the angel who was speaking to me said to me, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. How many of you knew the Lord's name was called Jealous. But I am very angry with the nations who are at ease, for while I was only a little angry, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I'll return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Again proclaimed, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord again will comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Well, church, listen, you got a lot of word. You got a lot of scripture today. Now, let me put the caboose on this and bring it all together. The appearance of God's divine presence always takes the form that our circumstances require. To David, he was a comforter, he was a protector. To a barren woman, he was a giver of life. To a woman who had done it all wrong. He said, I'm still going to bless you. Can I announce to you today that Jesus came through a line of people who messed up. Rahab was a prostitute. David had Bathsheba out of wedlock. And their son was Samuel, or Solomon. And Jesus came through his line. 
David's need was safety and protection, so he saw the encamping angel, the one who literally camps out in the midst of those who fear him and honor him and serve him and live for him. Can you say amen? To Joshua, the leader of Israel, he appeared as the captain of the hosts. To Hagar, he appeared as the one who saw her affliction, and there we find God's name, Elroy, the one who sees. To Abraham, he appeared as a provider, and there we find God's name, Jehovah Jireh, and he provided the sacrificial lamb. To the wayward Balaam, man of God, he appeared as an obstacle to block his way, and there we find him named adversary. Church, you don't want God as your adversary. You don't want that. To Gideon, he appeared as an encourager, and there we find him named Jehovah Shalom, the God, our peace. To Jacob, he appeared as the God of Bethel, the house of God. To Israel, he appeared as a pillar of fire by, by night and a pillar of cloud by day, fire to light the night and cloud by day to protect from sun and heat. In judge, he's even concerned about your comfort. In, in Judges, he confronted them for their waywardness, and they were brought to tears. They repented to the point of tears, and he was the one who helped them weep their way back to him through repentance. To Manoah and his wife, he was the giver of life to a barren womb, and there we find God's name wonderful. To Zechariah, he's gracious and comforting, and there we find him named Jealous. And in every occasion... That we read today, the angel of God shows up in their form that they needed their circumstances most required. And he does the same today. Can you say amen? So also is God to show up in accordance to our need. To one man, he's going to be wisdom. To another man, he's going to be strength. To the lonely, he is a companion. The Bible says he puts the lonely in families. Man, if you're lonely, don't stay away from the church. Go to it. There's a family there waiting to welcome you. To the sorrowful, he is comfort. To the wayward, he is correcting. But he will forgive. To the thinker, he is truth. So manifold are the, mad, the, the aspects of God's infinite sufficiency that every soul in every possible variety of circumstances will find him in just what will suit then. Nudge your neighbor and say, God's awesome. One day, David tried on Saul's armor and it wouldn't work. And you think, well, he didn't have on any armor when he went out. Oh, yes, he did. He had the armor of the Lord. And I just want to say to you today that God's armor fits every person who'll put it on. He takes the shape that your circumstances need. May we learn today from these past generations, even as David did in Psalm 34 and verse 7. He looks back to Jacob and believes that the old is repeated in his day. The place that Jacob called Mahanaim, or two camps, is still the name of every place where a man or a woman of God who loves God, when they pitch their tent, God will pitch his. I guess he's a tent camper. You may be wandering today. You may be lonely today. You may be defenseless today. You may be weary today, but you are never alone. Because your camp, it may even feel like it's open to assault, and you may feel unfit to guard it. You may feel like, I'm the least of the least of the least of the least. My family doesn't even, they're not even, you know, we don't even get to vote. I mean, I, and I'm the, I'm the kid brother. I'm the baby of the family. I don't even, be, I don't even belong on, on the same platform as dad. And he's the least of all the other clans. 
And God said, you're a valiant warrior. Parents, listen. It's about time to start saying what your kids will be and not what your kids look like they are. You may be wandering. You may be lonely. You may be defenseless. You may be weary, but you are never alone. Your camp may truly be open to assault. You may feel unfit to guard it, like I said. You may be the Gideon down in a pit, out of sight, just trying to eat by an existence. However, listen to me, God sees you. Just like he sees Hagar's boy, Elroy sees. He knows you. Look at your neighbor and say, he knows you. And his camp is there beside you if you will fear him. Now hear me today. The encampment of the angel of the Lord does not mean sorrows and trials and needs will never arise in your life. In fact, Jesus promised just the opposite. Jesus said, you will have tribulation. As long as you're in this world, the devil will see to it. But he follows it with an awesome word. Be of good cheer. You know what ticks the devil off? Is when you go through stuff, joyful. He throws all the junk he has to throw at you, and you go, ha, I praise the Lord. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to mess with me, man. I know what you used to do in heaven. You got kicked out. So guess what? I'm going to do what you failed to do, and I'm going to succeed, and we're just going to kick your teeth in. Because Jesus said, he's given me power to defeat you. He's given me power to tread upon you like a serpent you are. And in Jesus' name, scat. He's overcome the world. He said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Remember, church, God is not troubled by what troubles you. He will trouble that trouble and bring that trouble back on the head of the trouble. I'm going to say that again. The Lord God is not troubled by what troubles you. He will trouble that trouble and bring that trouble back on the head of the troubler, the devil. And then the devil be in double trouble. Amen? So let me say this as you go your way. The Lord is in your midst always. Start acting like it. Start living like it. Start believing it. Don't listen to the devil. If it's negative, it's coming from him. It's not God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We don't have time this morning to read all of Revelation, or Psalm chapter 34, but I want to tell you something. Can I, can I ask you to do something for me today? Would you do, in fact, do this for you. Take, this is only, I think, 20, 22 verses. Read all of Psalm 34. In fact, read it every day this week. Read all of Psalm 34. But when you get, when you get to it, I'm going to assure you this are some of the things you're going to find. You're going you're gonna to read that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You're going to read that, that uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. You're going to read stuff like that. It's going to build you up. It's going to encourage your faith. But can you see today that God, he, he showed up as Elroy. He showed up as Jehovah Jireh. He showed up as Bethel. He showed up as I am. He showed up as adversary. He showed up as Bokeem weeping. He showed up as Jehovah Shalom. He showed up as wonderful. He showed up as jealous. 
He revealed himself in all those ways as the angel of the Lord. How many say that's a special angel? Stand to your feet today. And we're just getting started on the special angels. How many of you would agree that's a pretty special angel? Amen. Take the hand of the person beside you. Let's pray this prayer, all of us together. Every single person in the room, those of you online, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, send your angel of the Lord to camp out with me. Your word says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Lord, help me fear you more. Help me revere you more. Help me honor you more. I invite you to camp with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as you go your way, go with that, that knowledge that God's with you. Everywhere you go, you're taking him, okay? And be an encouragement to someone else. Love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. Amen. One day we